Welcome back to the Anthony Murphy Podcast. Guys, today we have Gary Fay on the show, who is a mental strength and conditioning coach. He's a highly sought-after speaker and a best-selling author. How did he get to that point? Gary spent 18 years with the Australian Federal Police. He actually led the Prime Minister's personal protection team and unfortunately had a deep, dark battle with mental health, which ended up in him losing his career in the Australian Federal Police. However, he has fought back, rebuilt his life, rebuilt an amazing brand, and now he spends his time helping other people with their own mental health and their life journey. He is the author of best-selling book, Externally Bulletproof, Internally Brittle, and uh, we're very much looking forward to talking to Gary today about his journey and how we can all work on our own mental health in life. So that episode is coming up next. Gary, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks, Anthony. I appreciate you having me on, mate. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the chat. Mate, uh, likewise. Coming to us from uh, sunny Brisbane today. It's nice weather up here today. We've uh, got a good one. We've been hitting some rain lately, but uh, the sun's out today. Fantastic. Fantastic. Gary, we... Um... You know, our connection was made between a, uh, a mutual friend of ours um, and, yeah, I was uh, told about your story, uh, had a look over your socials, your website and, and knew that you were definitely the type of guest that uh, we wanted to have on the, on the show and obviously uh, myself make a connection with you too, mate. So I appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, look, hopefully some part of, uh, you know, what I've been through, what I do now and, and my story resonates with some of the audience and, you know, I always tell people there's always bits you can learn from people. You might not learn everything from uh, from one person, but yeah, hopefully there's something in the journey that uh, that helps out the audience. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the fact that, uh, you know, we can all learn things from each other, uh, you know, regardless of our situation or where we've been, you know, life's a, a different experience for every person and, uh, you know, we all go through different things and learn different things as well. So that's, uh, that's no different in this case. But uh, for everybody tuning in, Gary, can you give us a bit of a, a snapshot of, of your background and, and your story? Yeah, look, I, I think the, the main part of my story is that, uh, you know, I served 18 years with the with the Australian Federal Police. Um, you know, I hit some some great heights in that career. I, I used to run the Prime Minister's protection team. Uh, I was also the executive officer to the commissioner, so I ran the commissioner's office for a couple of years. Um, so I, I had a very successful career. I was somebody who had uh, everything that I'd ever strived for. Um, I was somebody who had everything that uh, people around me thought were uh, the successes that uh, that you would want. Um, but for a 10 year period, I was um, I was battling, I was silently battling actually a, a major depressive disorder, uh, a gambling addiction. Um, and that cost me close to $2 million. Uh, it ultimately cost me my, my career uh, at the police. It cost me my reputation. And it certainly had me considering the, the value of my own life uh, for a period of time there. Um, you know, it, it got really dark and um, I'm, I'm thankful and grateful that, um, you know, I was able to come across some good people, um, you know, put in some hard yards and, and, and face some, uh, some realities. And, you know, over the last five, six years, I've been able to build myself a system that not only uh, helped me survive, but, but also be in a far better, more fulfilled place than I've ever been and fortunate enough to help some others uh, do that as well. Yeah, look, obviously there's, uh, there's so much to unpack there and uh, I'm looking forward to, to talking about it a little bit further because, um, you know, for, for our audience with this podcast, you know, for the main part, we're talking, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, you know, people that are uh, in the marketing space as well. And I think, you know, life, as we were just saying before, is, is so different for every individual, but 
regardless of, of what you do, where you are, what your backstory is, you know, everybody's dealing with pressure of some kind. And, uh, you know, I'd love to kind of dive further into your role at Victoria Police, obviously a very demanding career. Um, you know, there's lots going on, mentally taxing as well. Um, but would love to kind of know how you sort of dealt with that situation and, and the pressures that would come w with a career like that and with the responsibilities that you would have had. So, you know, what was it like, um, you know, being in a role like that for so long? Yeah, look, I, I think in short, I, I obviously uh, crashed crashed and burned in a big way, which probably indicates I wasn't dealing with it the way that I should have been. Um, but the way, I, you know, a lot of successful people tend to deal with their struggles, I did the same thing. I um, I, I masked it for a very long time. Um, I pretended that my struggles didn't exist. Uh, I was a problem solver by nature, by career as well. And so I had continued to tell my story, myself a story that I couldn't have any problems because my role was the problem solver. Uh, so I, I basically masked a lot of um, those internal alignment struggles, you know, those gut feelings or that time mm -hmm. when don't feel right. Um, you know, I gave myself the standard um, the standard holding lines of I'll be okay when I get uh, the holiday, when I buy the new car, when I uh, get a promotion, when I find that new relationship. Uh, you know, I used all of those things to keep delaying the inevitable, uh, to try and cope and manage. And um, again, knowing now what I uh, what I do, um, I certainly wasn't taking the best uh, course of action in terms of dealing with you know what was a stressful job. Um, was an exciting job. Was a, you know was successful in that. But had I uh, had I been able to take better care of myself, been had a better understanding of, of who I was as a person and what I was moving towards, uh, I'm pretty sure that my uh, my escape into gambling wouldn't have certainly been as drastic as it was. Uh, maybe not even at all. Mm. Yeah, and and do you think that there's a uh, a bit of a flaw in the system and just you know society as a whole where maybe those support systems and structures, you know, haven't been in place. And I think, you know, we're sort of heading towards um, a place now where things are getting better, but obviously still a long way to go, but around, you know, mental health and being able to reach out, reach out and get help when you need it, uh, self-awareness, all of those important questions, I think, are becoming a bit more mainstream these days, which is great. Um, but do you think, you know, the fact that you considered yourself to be the problem solver and, you know, it wasn't kind of, the the go-to thing to outreach for help um, in, in whatever capacity was needed. Do you think that's been a bit of a, an issue in the past that perhaps we're you know getting a little bit more on top of these days? Yeah, look, I, I think we're certainly getting more on top of it. I, I think we've still got a long way to go, and I I probably you know suggest that a lot of there was always help around for me. If if I wanted to go and see somebody, there were psychologists around, counsellors, and gambling mm. help, and all of mm. those things did exist. Um, the, the difficulty I think happens is that for a long time, we can tend to mask even from ourselves that we have that issue. And we, we tend to overestimate our ability to deal with the internal struggles. If they've gone on for six months or a year, we tend to believe that they've only just sort of come on. They haven't, they haven't been that big of a problem to us. So we don't have to worry about them just yet. Mm. And, and I think where the, the shift maybe starting to change now is that there is a lot more uh you know regular i work a lot with with successful men but i do have some female clients but there's a lot more regular men successful men um performance 
you know, men and women that are starting to speak about their experiences. I think making the experiences more normalised and from voices that people can relate to actually allows you to start asking yourself the same questions. Do I feel this way? Am I starting to have those internal rumblings? Am I starting to find um, excuses for my behaviours? Uh, am I starting to enter into some risky behaviour that I might not have done in the past? Um, because as, as a young fellow growing up in the police, you know, certainly in, in the AFP, we, you know, you don't see many examples of that, or you didn't when I was going through. Everybody was a, a toughen up type of character. You know, bottling, I presume they were bottling up their own uh, vulnerabilities. Mm. And so when you experience them yourself, it's it's almost as though you mask them from yourself and you don't know where to go. Um, and it's also difficult to find a place that resonates with you. I've spoken to a number of psychologists, all very good, but some of them don't necessarily relate to alpha males in the policing environment or people from the military or executives from business, business owners, um, you know, sometimes even parents, um, you know, to, to be fair and no disrespect to psychologists, as, as a person who was struggling, my alpha male view was that I'm not going to see somebody in, you know, in chinos and, and sandals, right? Yeah. I wanted to see someone that was going to talk to me straight, tell it to me honestly. And yeah. I think we're starting to get a little bit more of that out in the public sphere, mm -hmm. which allows people that are struggling, as I said, to start asking themselves the question, you know, do I need help? Do I need to speak to somebody? And there seems to be a lot more voices that you can go to now. You can find one that resonates with you. You don't have to go to the stereotypical view, whatever that is for you, of, of therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Look, and obviously, you know, what you do now is, is very much involved in in that mental health space and assisting people. Um, taking us back to, you know, in your career, can you talk about some of the things that, uh, you know, made up your role and made up your career um, and, you know, what life was like on a, on a day-to-day kind of basis? Yeah, look, I, I, to be honest, every day is different, um, you know, and there was there was times, you know, there's a time in my career where whilst I knew something might have been coming, uh, I left home on three hours notice to go to East Timor. Um, mm. I went to yeah, Jakarta six days after our embassy was bombed. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things that happened at the spur of the moment. Um, you know, I was on, um, you know, I was overseas um, in PNG when the, uh, Link Cafe siege happened, so we jump on a plane and, and turn up back at home. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of those things that uh, you know that aren't normal nine to five predictable work. Um, to be fair, I, I enjoy that. I, that's as I said, I love the problem solving. I love things coming up last minute. Um, you know, anything from from those that I mentioned to you know Prime Minister ringing up saying I need to go somewhere in half an hour, and you've got to start to rally the troops, get teams together, uh, mm. logistics start moving and those types of things. So, you know, they're, they're all elements of the job. Um, there's certainly a lot of days uh, where there's not a lot of excitement and, a lot, you know, there's a lot of days sitting around Parliament House. There's a lot of days sitting around the office. Uh, there's a lot of those mundane days as well. But, you know, there, there's a lot, certainly a lot of stress. It doesn't matter what level of policing you are in. There's a, there's a different element of stress. And, mm. uh, you know, I travelled a lot. Um, there was a year there where I think, um, four days was the longest I'd spent in my own bed in a row. Yeah. Um, one of the years there was 54 trips, you know, in the 52 weeks. Um, you know, again, all enjoyable things, 
Um, but uh, but certainly make up a, a, a bit of a mixed bag in terms of what to expect from your from your daily work. Yeah, exactly, exactly. One of the things that you know I, I, I'm really trying to sort of uh, you know bring through this podcast for anybody who's listening in and watching in is is um, you know extracting value from people like yourself who have had experiences in life and you know how can we you know add context to that how can we you know help other people and you know selfishly for myself it's also around you know with having a business uh, and a team of, of talented young people that uh, are part of the business now um, you know it's it's how can I personally become uh, you know a, a high performer and continue to you know develop myself um, and I suppose in talking with people like yourself, it's, you know, what have you learned from your experiences and, and what is, what's the knowledge that you've gained now um, that people can, you know, essentially take away and, you know, everything's relevant, right? So, uh, you know, obviously running a marketing agency is a lot different to, uh, you know, being in the Victoria Police and, and looking after the Prime Minister, et cetera, and so forth. But uh, fundamentally the same sort of things apply when, you know, I have a stressful day, uh, what is my reaction to that? What, uh, you know, when a marketer out there has a stressful day, when a, another business owner out there has a stressful day or maybe things aren't going very well, there's extra pressures added on top. What, how do we deal with that situation, how we respond to that situation is either going to help us move forward or we're going to move backwards from that. So that's the kind of thing that I'm really interested in and, and obviously discussing a bit more with yourself is what can we do in that situation if things are tough uh, and you know we need some help? Uh, what are some ways to make sure that we take a second, stop and go, right, who can I turn to? Who can assist? What can I do to uh, to get myself out of this as opposed to to bottling it up and pushing forward? So keen to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, look, there's probably a few things um, in there that, that we can go through. And one of the first things, um, especially when, you know, you've got a, a podcast such as the one that you do in the broad audience that you have is something that I learned. Um, I didn't learn this early enough, but uh, when I was struggling, I used to look for reasons why uh, perhaps I'd be listening to this podcast and I'd try and find all the reasons why this did not um, resonate with me, why this wasn't my story and therefore yeah. there's nothing in it really that I could learn from. Mm. And, and something shifted for me. Um, I, was, I watched a, an eight-minute Tony Robbins video where he saved a guy's marriage and it had nothing to do with my story. But I somehow found myself being able to craft that message and put my story into it so that I could get some learning from it. Mm -hmm. uh, and even the story that I've, I've just told about my daily, you know, my, the, some of the things that I do for work, whilst the, the specific things that I did are different to your life, to other, to business owners' lives, to uh, executives, to sports people's lives, as you said, the, the, the emotions or the stresses uh, or the problems are all they all still reveal themselves in the same way in our bodies so if you can somehow try and listen to you know all of your podcasts but the, the what we're talking about today and figure out how you can put yourself into that story or how you can put your um, narrative or your lifestyle into the story you'll certainly get a lot more learning from it um mm -hmm. i think to, to the specific question um two th two ways that i would probably advocate to go about it um, John F. Kennedy said the time to fix the roof is when the sun is shining. So if you are not experiencing problems right now, I would suggest very strongly that you do the work on 
consciously owning your own identity, who you are as a person, what direction you are going, because I can guarantee you that when the wheels fall off, the more conscious you are about who you are as a person uh, is going to set you up for a much better way to deal with those problems when they arrive. And I say when, because they do arrive for everybody. Um, They're still arriving for me, even though I do the work daily, you still have problems in life but mm. I certainly face them a lot differently than, than I do now. Um, on the flip side, if you haven't done the work yet and you're in the middle of that struggle, um, the, the two things you have to do, I think, initially are own it um, and accept it and then find somebody that can help you. Yes. It is highly unlikely if you're in the depths of a deep, dark struggle that you've not been in before that you have the skills or ability in this moment to get yourself out. Now, you have the skills and the ability, but when we're in our deepest strife, we are usually irrational in our thinking. We are usually using our more primal you know, brain function of survival. So we're just doing things by, uh, you know, by habit, which mm. is usually the same stuff we've done before. Um, so cling on to somebody. It doesn't have to be a person or it doesn't have to be someone you go and talk to always. I started learning from watching YouTubes, from listening to podcasts, from putting different bits and pieces together, but you have to do something and you have to do something different. So yeah, it's probably, probably a couple of things there, no matter, you know, whether or not, if you're not struggling at the moment or you are, um, Mm. hopefully a couple of things that that somebody could try instantly that that are going to move you towards where you want to go and accept that it's not going to fix today, right? You, Mm. you can do something today. It might not work for a few weeks, but, you know, yeah. you've got to do something today. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And that's a, it's a great point to put forward because it is so easy to kind of, um, you know, if things are going well or there's no real kind of glaring issues in, in life, um, you know, it's kind of easy to, to coast through and, and ride that wave. Uh, but as you said, it, it, when things do take a turn, it's, uh, it's being equipped with that. And I suppose it's almost like, uh, you know, contingency planning in a way. Um, you know, when, when things are going well and the sun's shining, um, do the work, uh, be self-aware, make sure that you're prepared, self-development, looking after your mental health, all that sort of stuff. Um, so that, as you said, when things do get tough, it's, uh, it's much easier to deal with and you have a, a plan in place, essentially. Um, yeah, one of, one of the guys, you know, probably a few people probably on your podcast, that one of the guys that I followed very heavily early on was Ed Milet. And, um, you know, I heard him say that, um, you know, he might have got it from somebody else, but, you know, when in times of struggle, we revert to our training, not to mm. our talent. Yeah. Right, so you, you you won't go back to the things you naturally do good. You'll go back to the things that you've practiced time and time again. So yeah. if if you're in good times now, start practicing the habits that will sustain you in the bad time. And when you start to struggle, you revert to that training. Um, yes. If all you've done is escape, as I did for a long time, when when shit got real, all I did was revert to that level of training, and that was escapism. And I just mm. kept going. It got worse and worse. So. Yeah. yeah, most definitely you gotta you gotta make hay while the sun shines. Mm. I love that. And I think um you know, for myself personally, it's definitely a bit of a mindset around, you know, uh, there's particular goals and, and things that I've sort of set for myself and I know that if they are to be reached then I need to be you know, continually working on self-development and improving myself and, and, you know, getting to that next level. And 
you know, that, that involves, um, you know, everything with the business and the agency and things like that. Uh, also surrounding myself with, you know, great people. Uh, and that's not just the team, that's also, you know, business advisors, uh, you know, our board, anybody that has a has anything to do with what I do. And then also outsourcing, you know, to people like yourself and having these types of conversations. It's like, it's, there's, there's so much to be learnt. Uh, and for me, I know that, um, you know, if you constantly, if you just put things in place, uh, and for me, it's definitely around having a having a routine, having a schedule, like doing things consistently. Um, for me, that's how I know that I'm going to be able to move forward. Um, and it is, it, it's, you know, it's, it's educating yourself and getting yourself set up because yes, there's definitely going to be tough times. Uh, and I know that when there is tough times, there's people there that I can turn to and ask because I think, as you've mentioned before, the worst thing to do is kind of, you know, bottle it up or, uh, you know, let the ego get in the way or anything like that because it's going to be very, very difficult. If you've got people there that can help you, um, turn to them and, uh, you know, it, it's all going to turn out for the better. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, there's not much more for me to, to say. You know, that's the, it's the perfect system. Um, mm -hmm. You know, routine is ex extremely important uh, to me, it's it's the way I got out of the deepest, darkest hole I was in was by building very slowly, very methodically a, a routine. Um, you know, I, I've followed, worked with, and 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 listened to a lot of successful people, um, and, and probably two things shine through about every one of them: they all have a routine, and they all do a gratitude practice. Um, mm. And Look, I, I'm not naive enough to think that I'm the superstar that can be successful without either of those two things. If everybody I've ever read about, listened to that's successful has them. Um, you know, we all have routines. We all do some things that are that are routine. Um, my my you know role and job is to try and create and build systems and routines that serve you know a, a purpose and a goal um, that that create a better lives for for people and not. Um, you know, not the routines that we get stuck in, uh, following down negative paths and and reverting to when when times get tough. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a huge part of it's a huge part of being able to deal with struggle, but it's also a huge part about creating success. It's not just getting off rock bottom that routine is beneficial for. It's also creating greatness. Um, it comes from building routine as well. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So can I ask what the turning point was, sort of when things did get to that low point for yourself, how did you kind of, you know, make that next step forward? What was kind of the, the turning point for yourself? How did you get yourself to, uh, you know, onto the, the next path and the trajectory to where you are today? Yeah, look, I, I, um, I, I had my struggles so much. The, the end of my story with, the career, with my policing career was I, I made some very silly mistakes with my corporate credit card and obviously I um, wasn't able to continue in my role there with the, with the federal police. Um, strangely enough, having lost an 18-year career and, and my reputation, uh, that still wasn't the worst of it for me. It was, it was enough to help me stop for a little while. I, I grabbed hold of the reins for about six months. And, but I, but in that six months, I never did any of the work on the underlying issues that, that I was confronting. And so eventually I went back to the, the escape that, that I'd learned to, uh, to follow mm. so well. Um, and that got me to a point in my life where, you know, I, I, I had started some routines and they were, the routines were going well, but I was still gambling and I was still escaping. And I got to the point where I started to think, look, I'm doing this work and it's 
it's not working. I'm, I'm still doing the thing I don't want to be doing. And uh, that was a point where I started to consider, well, I just, I can't stop. And if I can't stop, I'm just going to keep hurting people. And if I keep hurting people, then I'm probably better off not here. And, you know, that was a moment that really scared me. Um, it, it was, you know, it, it wasn't in my makeup necessarily to have those thoughts. Mm. Um, and, and I was, I was general, gen, genuinely scared. And, and I, I decided in that moment that I, I needed to go and see somebody. So I went to the doctor and I, and I got to say it, it what, what I did at that time was probably changed my life. I had been doing my routines, but I promised myself that whatever the doctor said I would do. And he sent me to a psychiatrist. I promised myself that whatever the psychiatrist said I would do, whether I agreed with it, disagreed with it, it, it didn't matter. Um, and ultimately I saw a psychologist, I was at gambling help, I was doing my routines and I kept doing them even though I was still gambling during that period of time as well. And it was another nine months later um, that I eventually found a point where it felt to me like it was a, you know, a come to Jesus moment, an epiphany. It just hit me that said, right, that's it. We're done. We've, we've done the gambling. We're finished. We will stop gambling now and we've now got control of my life. Um, you know, that all happened in a very uh, cathartic, um, you know, brutal honesty moment where I, you know, broke down at my nan's um, gravesite and, you know, was honest with myself about everything I'd done in life and where I was mm. and what I had to do. Um, but ultimately, I suppose the turning point was that fear that uh, if I keep going down this track, I'm not going to be here and um, that I couldn't do that to the people who had supported me. And uh, that got me to the doctor. Um, you know, I, I, I say to people, I wish I had have gone six months earlier, but I'm very glad I didn't go six months later. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... That's fantastic and obviously very powerful story and I think, you know, so much we can take away from that and uh, obviously that's not, um, you know, even though you made those decisions and, and that was a turning point there, it wasn't easy street from there either, I'm guessing. Like you still had to continue to do the work and, and put in the time and effort, um, you know, and what was that like as well? Like how did you make those decisions and then stick to it and get yourself to where you are today? Yeah, look, I, I think at, at that point in time, there was a little bit of desperation. Um, mm. The alternative just wasn't an option for me, and therefore I had to do, and I had to, I had to be vulnerable enough to trust um, other people. That probably was something I wasn't good at for a long period of time, and that's why I kept it to myself. I didn't trust others with my story. Um, and and but you know you, you're right. It's it's almost like you know that was when the work started. Mm. Um, it, it got harder. Um, you know I, I don't want to. I don't, you know, it's not like the light bulb went off and the whole world was fantastic. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, I don't know that there's anything wrong with that. You know, I, I think coming through the, the hard time or the uncomfortableness actually makes it worthwhile. Um, you know, I, I think the level of uncomfortableness is probably uh, determined by how deep in strife you are. Um, so I'd certainly suggest to people if you're starting to feel a little off, it's going to be a far easier process to uh, get this under control now than it will be in six months or six years' time. Yeah. Um, you know, so my level of uncomfortableness was probably heightened by the fact that, you know, I gambled away two million dollars, lost my career. You know, was was mm. at the, at, you know, knocking on on the door of, of uh, places I didn't want to go. Uh, that made it, and, and I was ten years into a into a routine of using gambling as an escape. So. I had to undo 10 years worth of, of trouble. 
Um, but, you know, there's also, you know, I heard someone saying once that it's what flavor of shit sandwich do you want to eat? You know, yeah. you're going to have to, you're going to have to eat a shit sandwich. Yeah. Um, you're going to either have to be uncomfortable with the work that's needed to be successful and fulfilled in life, mm. or you're going to have to eat that shit sandwich in five years' time when you did nothing yeah. and, you are, and you are still miserable. Um, you know, it's, it's, and that's not the place I want it to be. Um, yeah. You can get anywhere if you're prepared to be uncomfortable enough for long enough. Yeah, and, and another saying I kind of uh, definitely stick by personally is um, you, your level of happiness in life is directly correlated to the amount of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have, uh, you know, and, and it's so true. Like it's, you know, it's in human nature to kind of, uh, you know, the, the fight or flight response, back away from difficult conversations or, or difficult situations and, uh, you know, put yourself in that preservation mode. But at the end of the day, um, the the better that you can get at having those difficult conversations, regardless of whether it's personal life, business, family, whatever, uh, you know, it is generally going to, you know, make you a happier person. So that's, um, yeah, there's a bit of value in that as well, I feel. Yeah, look, I think no matter what arm of, psychology you sort of follow along with that there's some element of of humans desiring meaning and mm. substance and, and and you know our, our lives today are um you know almost moving more away from substance and and it's a lot easier to scroll through the things that we don't want to see or delete things we don't want in our life and not have those difficult conversations but mm. one thing happens when you have a difficult conversation with somebody or an uncomfortable conversation and you're able to be vulnerable and, and the other person's able to be vulnerable with you, far more substance exists. You, and, yeah. and when you start to uncover some of that substance, uh, you start to own who you are and the things that you're doing in life, uh, you shift from having moments of ecstasy to a life of fulfillment and a life yeah. of purpose and a life of meaning. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like winning a grand final. You know, you can win a grand final, but two, three days after winning the grand final, the feelings have all gone away, yeah. you know, and, and that's what we're striving. We seem to be striving more for the grand final uh, than we do for the mates that we, that we uh, build through the year of hard training together, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and yeah. it's the mates that you build that sustain you for the rest of your life. It's mm. not the final win. Yeah. Some people that try and hang on to that, grand final win for far too long and we've probably seen plenty of those in our lives but mm. those that are the, the happiest uh, over the long term uh, are those that can focus on the substance um, focus on the process yes. not focus on the result yeah yeah exactly enjoy the journey not the uh, not the result um, that sort of brings us up to today, Gary, and I can see uh, there's a, a book over your shoulder there, and uh, I'd love to dive into you know what you're doing now in terms of coaching and your business. I mean, we've we've talked about the fact that uh, you know one career has ended, but you're definitely involved in a, in a brand new career. So tell us about what you're up to today. Yeah, most most of my work today is about um, you know coaching, mentoring um, in, in that mental health, mental strength uh, space. Um, I, I identify as wanting to be the coach that I needed 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, for people that are, uh, you know, successful or do have that, that element of success that the outside world would think, you know, you should be happy and, um, but you're just feeling a little off or you are starting to take those risky decisions, maybe drinking a little too much, getting into the drugs, um, gambling, if that's what it is, starting to look at other women or men um, mm. outside your relationships, risky investments, you know, those are all indicators that, that something's not quite right. So, um, you know, I, I tend to work, you know, on, on two ends of the spectrum. 
um, you know, if you if you if you're bouncing off rock bottom or you're on the edge of greatness, the same tools are going to take you to the to the next step. And um, you know, you, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning the book. It's um, you know, I titled it externally bulletproof, internally brittle. And you know, if if language is okay, um, it, basically the first half of it is how the fuck did I get here? And that is that's a story of you know my my life with policing, but also a lot of the struggles that I was facing, uh, a lot of the battles I was silently facing so i explain how it feels to go through that process um and some of the escapes uh you know talking about the gambling talking about suicide ideation and, and what to do about it the second half is uh how the fuck did i get out and uh, basically it chronicles the process that that i took and it took me a long time but you know it's it's i say to people it, it took me 12 years you're more than welcome to take 12 years to figure it out yourself or yeah you can buy the book or give me a call and we can do it in 12 weeks. You know, it's, yeah. it's not a process that necessarily takes a long time, um, but it is if you don't know where you're heading and what you're doing, um, mm. don't know start, uh, don't have that support, that accountability. Um, you know, so, you know, everything I do is probably built around the same process in the book. And as I said, it, it doesn't matter where you are in life. The next step is usually um, as a result of you beginning to own completely your identity, who you are as a person, what you want out of life, uh, and then building a process to get there, um, finding the support you need to stick to that process. Um, there's no there's no goal that's unachievable, as I said, if you're not prepared to be uncomfortable enough for long enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, that, that's probably something that... Uh is not mainstream enough either is is you know that framework and, and process and support around you know what do you want to get out of life you know there's the there's the usual process of being born growing up going to school going to uni get a job and and all the rest of it but like that's just one particular narrative and if anybody wants to you know achieve something in particular or, or go down a different path then you know how do we go about doing that um and i think that's where you know someone like yourself uh, you know, helping people. Uh, there's so much value in that because it's just something that's not, it's not mainstream. It's not necessarily what we're taught in school or anything like that. So having someone like yourself um, is extremely valuable. And, you know, you do, you work with individuals, you work with teams, you work with corporate. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I started off just individuals and, and, and I started off mostly working with individuals that had already got to their rock bottom or close to their rock bottom. And, mm-hmm. you know, that transitioned into more performance-based uh, individuals, uh, be it athletes, um, high-performance athletes, executives, um, military police. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people I work with have now have similar stories that, that, that I have. It's more alpha-based personality, I suppose, people mm-hmm. that are, have been go-getters in their life, been high performers and have either fallen off uh, the, the rails or are starting to feel those grumblings. Um, and I also get a chance to work with a few people that are, um, as I said, on the edge of greatness and they're trying to get to that next level. What is it that they need to do in their daily life, their mindset, their routines to go to that next level? So, you know, that got me into just recently working with some teams um, business teams as well as sporting teams uh, yeah. to build similar practices within the team culture, the team mm-hmm. identity. Um, and naturally that moves on to, to corporate. You know, I, I spent a lot of years at the pointy end of the, the federal police and sitting in meetings with, you know, commissioners and, and, and prime ministers and ministers. And I know what it takes to, to run businesses and build, um, you know, build uh, good cultures around, um, you know, executives fil- filtering down into workforces and, 
you know, so I, I, I get a chance to, to work with some corporates or talk to, to corporate uh, enterprises about how to bet, better build their system. Yeah. Um, and also talk to them about what they should be looking out for. You know, I yeah. was very successful. At, you know, I, I stood next to the Prime Minister and the Commissioner on a daily basis and I fell over and nobody picked it up. Um, you know, so what measures uh, businesses can put in place to make sure that they're doing the best to get the best out of their staff. That doesn't mean just the best performance, but also creating better humans out of the process. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And that's something that we're definitely focused on and, and something that I firmly believe in as well is that, you know, how uh, as a business owner, as an employer, uh, how do you go about you know, getting the best out of your team. And that means understanding each individual team member, uh, what drives them, what motivates them, where they want to go in their life and their career. And the more that you understand that uh, and assist them to do so, the better the overall results are going to be, you know, for your business. It's definitely a good investment from any from any, any business point of view, any, in, any executive, any coach uh, that's coaching a team. Um, you know, building a team culture, uh, that that puts your team members, you know, first. I suppose uh, you will get a far greater return on investment uh, than than crunching numbers and you know mm. working out a business process. Yeah, yeah, I love that, Gary. Before we look to wrap things up, would love to know uh, if you're happy to share just some of your you know daily routine or, or some tips and tricks that people can kind of look to implement. Uh, you know, whether whether things are tough or things are good. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you rely on to uh, to keep you heading in the right direction? Yeah, look, it's, it's something I, I preach a lot. So it's, a, it's an important um, part of the journey. And, and I suppose the best way to describe it is to even to, to share with people how I started that process. Because it's, you know, we always hear about people having morning routines. And then we try and implement six or seven things at once and they seem to fall over and collapse. Mm. And I can tell people that the very first thing I did, uh, it was August 2nd, 2018. I remember starting my process. Um, And that was my epiphany moment come on July 19th. So very close to there. I said, this is what I'm going to start doing. The very first thing that I did was I got up 15 minutes early for a week. That was it. I didn't do anything with that 15 minutes. I just said my, I'd heard Dr. Joe Dispenza talk about hitting snooze on your alarm and I didn't hit snooze. So that wasn't something that I could put into my, I mean, I could put it in and just pat myself on the back because I already didn't hit snooze. But um, I thought, right, my version of that was going to be get up 15 minutes early. And and I do coach a lot of people, just don't hit snooze for a week. That's Mm -hmm. all we ask. And, And so I started with that. And when, when that becomes a routine or a habit that you're comfortable that, you know, again, Ed Milet talks about keeping promises to yourself is the way that you build self-confidence. And the reason we fail a lot of times is because we've got a history of breaking promises to ourselves. So our subconscious doesn't even believe we're going to keep the promise when we mm. make it. Yeah. So if you can build a skill of keeping promises to yourself, you are more likely to succeed at everything that you say you're going to do. So I started getting up 15 minutes early. When that became the habit, uh, the next thing I did was start a gratitude practice. Um, I started with one, built up to three. Um, and I also, I handwrite mine um, and I attach a reason why I'm grateful for that thing. Um, it just creates a lot more certainty about that gratitude. It's not flippant. It's not I'm grateful to be here today, the sun or whatever. I actually attach a meaning to my gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and all, almost always uh, one of my gratitudes is about the shit in my life. 
yeah. I find some way to be grateful for the shit in my life. And, yeah. and that's a very powerful thing that I've found as well. Um, the next thing I did was I added drinking 500 mils of water mm-hmm. um, within 10 minutes of waking up. Um, following on from that, I added a cold shower. Um, and then over the years, things have, ch- have chopped and changed. But um, yeah. that, that's how I started building it. It took me four, six, eight weeks. Um, I actually, on my website, you can see I've got a 28-day process, which is literally my process of building habits and routines. And anyone can do that for free. So there's no dramas there. But um, so that's how I built my routines. Yeah. Currently, my routines, I wake up at 3.45. I spend the first 15 minutes with no phone. Um, I don't think my partner loves it too much, but it's my connection time with my partner. So I, I hug her and cuddle her in bed. Sometimes we fall asleep still. Sometimes we talk. Sometimes we just lay there. Mm-hmm. But that's 15 minutes of connection time, no kids, no phones. Yeah. It's very early in the morning, but it really grounds my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I get up, cold shower, um, 500 mils of water. I drive to the gym. Uh, I have a little gym here in Queensland. So I drive to the gym, I do my gratitudes, work out, and then my day starts. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I find if I do that most days, the day is a, is a good day. The days I miss it, like by about nine o'clock, I know I didn't do my morning routine because yeah. everything got pear shaped. Yeah, I'm personally in the same boat where, uh, you know, again, I wake up at 4am and uh, it's actually a very, very similar kind of uh, routine. But if I, for whatever reason, miss that, um, yeah, by the time you do get out of bed at 6, 7, whatever it is, uh, yeah, you just feel like you're, you're on the back foot for the day already and you know that you haven't put in the work um, to make it, uh, you know, to start the day off the best way possible. So, and I think it's uh, really great advice. Obviously, we're, we're in December, we're heading into the new year period famous for people setting resolutions and all that sort of stuff so i think there's a key message there where instead of making those you know big ambitious new year's resolutions uh and trying to implement that from new year's day all in the one go make those resolutions but as you've suggested break it down into small steps you start with one thing you build that into a habit and then keep going from there so rather than implementing six new things that are going to you know change your year and doing that from the first of january onwards break it down so that those things happen over a period of two months for example and people have much more luck with that yeah there there is some science and stats behind that process and and look i i don't know the numbers specifically but it's something like if you try and do three or more things in one go um 80 to 90 percent of people will fail that if you try and do two or more things or two things in one go it's like 50 or 60 percent will fail if you try and achieve one thing uh it's something like 90 percent of people will succeed at doing that so you know really breaking those down you know i call mine the foreplay uh it's f-o-u-r play but Mm -hmm. it's a play on foreplay it's it's the habits you have to build before you actually embark on the process that you want to uh, you want to take on. So, yeah. you know, I, I say you, you need to be building these habits now. You can not hit snooze on your alarm all the way through Christmas. You don't have to give up alcohol. You don't have to give up cake. You don't have to give up Christmas dinner. But you could start now by keeping one promise to yourself. Yeah. Make your bed every morning. Drink 500 mils of water when you get out of bed. Mm. Do five minutes of stretching. Whatever might challenge you a little bit, you can start doing that now. And that will not impact or should not impact on your Christmas enjoyment but then once you get around to January and maybe February, you've built some sort of uh, confidence with yourself that you can keep promises. Yeah, yep, 100%. And it's onwards and upwards from there. 
Gary, fantastic conversation, mate. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Where can people find out more about yourself? Yeah, I appreciate the conversation. It's uh, it's always enjoyable. I always learn more things about myself, other people, and and uh, you know the things that I love, which is you know helping people get from where they are to where they want to be. And um, easiest way is GaryFay.com. It's spelled a bit odd, I suppose. Gary's with one R and Fay is F A H E Y. dot com. Um, my Instagram is strong.mend, so mend as in M-E-N-D, fix. Um, you can find me on there. Um, and my book's on Amazon, externally bulletproof, internally brittle. You can pick that up and um, send me a message. If I usually am open to chatting to people, if you're struggling, um, I'm more than happy to uh, respond to most messages as long as they're positive type of messages. I'm, uh, I'm all for helping whoever I can, whenever I can. Love that. Gary, thanks so much for your time, man. Cheers, Anthony. I appreciate it, mate. So that's it for another episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you love the show, the greatest form of feedback you can give is to leave a review. It helps the show grow. It helps more people find it. And I would really appreciate that. Head over to anthonygmurphy.com where you'll find all the show notes and links for today's episode. And if you just want to stay up to date with me and see what I'm up to, head over to Instagram, anthonygmurphy and say day. And I will talk to you in the next episode.